look with me in the scriptures in the book of Second uh, Timothy, the first chapter and the twelfth verse. Second Timothy, one, twelve. He said in this scripture, something we've been looking at for a few weeks now, he said, for the which cause I suffer these things, and if you read the previous verses, he's talking about suffering being persecuted for preaching the gospel. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know, let me just stop here. The Bible said, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And, uh, you know, people... Nobody likes to be talked about uh, negatively. Nobody likes to be ostracized or separated from others' company. But if you really stand up for the Lord, you're going to get some of that without exception. But here's the thing. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. People will try to shame you for believing what you do. Intellectuals will try to shame you because you're obviously not that intelligent and weak and need the crutch of religion. Others will try to, those who hold more traditional, and when I say that, man's tradition views of religion and even Christianity, they'll mock you for believing in speaking in tongues. People will speak ill of you for believing that God's a God of abundance and would be involved in prosperity for his people. But you, you and I, like Paul, we do not have to receive right. shame. Right. Even though people may try to shame you They haven't shamed you unless you receive it. (laughs) If somebody says, shame on you for going over there to that faith church. (laughs) I actually had somebody tell me a while back that a person told them they would do something for them financially if they'd quit going to our church. (laughs) Have you ever heard of such a thing? And, And the person told them, are you kidding I wouldn't even be alive. They said it if I hadn't been going there and learned about faith. Well, it's people trying to shame you. Trying to shame you. Shame on you for this or that. And you can just say, well, don't try to shame me. It's going to boomerang, come back on your head because I don't receive it. I'm not ashamed. Paul said it in Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Under salvation. And part of what we're talking about is the gospel. It's the good news. I'm not ashamed, he said. Come on, you said out loud, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And when you're not ashamed, you don't duck your head, you don't avoid, you don't try to hide who you are and what you are. You don't try to push it off on people that don't want to hear it, but nor are you intimidated, nor are you ashamed. At all. all. Come on, somebody say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed ashamed of being a Christian. I'm not ashamed of holding up this Bible as the final authority on everything. I'm not ashamed that I believe God's real and he does things in my life 
He protects me. He provides for me. He keeps me. He heals me. I don't have to say that quietly. <laughs> you, we could go on. But he said, and I, he said, I am, I know whom I've believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I'm persuaded he's able to keep. The NIV says, I'm sure he's able to take care of what I have given him. Won't you say that out loud? I'm sure. He is able to take care of what I've given him. I guess that was the NIRV. I'm sure he's able to take care of what I've given him. There's, there's a great truth here. God is a God who keeps, a God who guards, a God who protects. But obviously, he doesn't keep and guard and protect everything and everyone. All you got to do is look around. What is he able to keep? What you commit to him. What you put into his care. Are there people that are putting their lives into his care? No, you've got millions that don't even believe he exists. So no. You know, like sometimes people say they'll, they'll misquote and pull a half a phrase and misquote it out of Romans and say that everything's working out for the good. Well, you know, everything works out for the good. No, that's not true. That is not, that's not what that verse said. Everything is not working out for the best of everyone on this planet. Not even close. He was talking about a specific group of people. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Is that everybody? Does everybody love him? No, of course they don't. Like we said, a lot of people don't even believe he, he exists. You got to watch about pulling out half a phrase and ignoring the three verses that came before it and came after it. So many doctrines wrong doctrines could have been avoided if folks had just read the previous three verses. Look with me, please, in the book of Psalms and notice a recurring theme that, like I said, has some uh, overlap with motherhood. Go to Psalms 17. Psalm 17, God is a God who keeps, who guards, who protects. But we have a part in this. We have a part that we're to do that allows him to do for us what he's not doing for everyone. In uh, Psalm 17, verse 4. Psalm 17, 4 says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I've kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Is there a destroyer? Is there one who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy? Do you need protection? Notice, he said, by the word of your lips. We'd say God's words. 
He's talking about God's, God's lips. By God's words, I've kept myself from the paths of the destroyer. Keep reading. Hold up my goings in your paths that my footsteps slip not. Now let's just stop right here. What if you're not going in his path? <laughs> Are there any other paths besides his path? Are there any other plans besides his plan? Are there ways that seem right to men, but they're not right? And the end of them is not protection, but destruction. Can you go the right way or the wrong way? You can. You can go either one. Hold up my goings in your paths. Well, this is another way of saying you've committed you're keeping to him because you chose his path for you. And he said that my footsteps slip not. Keep going, verse 6. I've called upon you, for you'll hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Phyllis and I have, uh, you know, you, you're not going to be in the ministry for almost 40 years, and the enemy never come against you on anything. And there have been a few things that the enemy tried to do to hinder us or to cause a problem. But the Lord's quickened us repeatedly to begin saying, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And one time we were talking about it, and Phyllis said we were riding in the car. She said, I, to me, it's just like those missiles that are fired sometimes, but they don't find their target. I thought that's exactly right. A missile that was fired and didn't hit its target was a a weapon that didn't prosper. Some of you need to say that out loud. No weapon weapon that's formed against me me will prosper. prosper. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that the enemy is not going to try anything. A weapon was formed. An attack was launched, but it didn't accomplish what the devil intended for it to accomplish. It wasn't successful in stealing and killing or destroying in your life, didn't find its mark, didn't hit its target. It turned out to be a dud. (laughs) Not because the devil... Intended it for it to be a dud, but because one of your angels messed with the uh, ignition device while it was in flight. Or he just shoved it off course a little bit, but it didn't prosper. It didn't hurt you like the enemy intended for it to hurt you. Say it again, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't succeed what the enemy intended for it to do. Keep reading. He said, verse 8, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Said out loud, hide me me. under the shadow of your wings. Go to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 and verse 5. Psalm 36, 5. I see we're looking at a a recurring theme. Your mercy, O Lord, 
is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Does God have a lot of mercy and a lot of faithfulness? Keep going. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep, O Lord. You preserve man and beast. How excellent is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Hallelujah. Where is and what is under the shadow of his wings? What is that? It's a place of protection. It's a place where you're kept. It's a place where you're shielded, where you're covered from the dangers, from the attacks that are outside the cover of his wings. Hallelujah. Is there a picture here? Psalm 57 1. Psalm 57 1. Now, it's not strange that we see repeated references to this in the Psalms. A number of the Psalms came through David. And a big part of what he used his faith for, for decades, was protection. As a boy, one of the first things he ever learned how to believe God for was protection. Out there with the sheep, protection from predators, bears, and lions. And he got so strong in his faith for protection that he went hand to hand with the bear, which usually would be a very bad idea. <laughs> right? And when a lion came and got one of the lambs out of the flock, how many know what most shepherds would say? I lost one. Right? Let's see how to protect the rest. But not David. He had gotten so close to the Lord out there singing and praising God all the time and using his faith for protection that he decided, I don't have to take this. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not, uh, who do you think you are coming in here uh, to my flock? No, you don't. No, you didn't. And he ran out there and he grabs this lion and takes the sheep away from the lion. Now, normally that's a very, very bad idea because this lion has decided I don't have to hunt no more today. I've got my lunch. And you try to take it away from him? Oh, buddy. It's going to be a throwdown. <laughs> but uh, David slew, killed the lion and saved the sheep. But you see, God was preparing him. Can you see this? Because when he wound up at the battle as a youth, just bringing some cheese and stuff, <laughs> he's just a delivery boy. And he saw Goliath come out there. He looked around and couldn't figure out why nobody was taking this guy on. Don't they know? God will protect you. Don't they know? No, they didn't know. Because they hadn't been developing their faith. But he, his faith had gotten so strong 
that God could protect him, that he was willing to go out and face this giant killing machine. And God gave him such an amazing victory. It's recorded in the scriptures. It's become, you just say the words, David and Goliath. Right? And you know all kind of things just by that phrase. And we're now here many generations later and past when it happened. It's an exploit of faith and the glory to God. But I'm saying we see this in the Psalms because then he had to run from Saul. You remember all that? He was believing God for protection. Look in Psalm 57.1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. Yea, in the shadow of your wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. There's a place called the shadow of his wings. No, God's not a great big bird. But the picture helps us to understand it. God is able to put like a giant bird would put its wings over you. God is able to do that. And you be underneath his power and his protection and his keeping. And in that place for something to get to you it would have to come through him. And ain't nobody bigger than him. Nobody stronger than my God. Nobody even comes close. But then the question we should begin to ask ourselves, sounds like a great place. How do I get there? How do I stay there? Who's responsible for me being there? Am I there all the time? Does God put me there and keep me there? Can I put myself there? Can I take myself out of there? This place called under the shadow of his wings. Look with me in Psalm 91. Anybody remember this one? Psalm 91, 1. We looked at this one on the first day. We talked about God keeping us. We're emphasizing this part today, though. He that dwells in the secret place, well, it wouldn't be a secret to God. And if you're there, it wouldn't be a secret to you. So who's it a secret to? (laughs) The enemy. The enemy can't find you. The enemy can't get to you in this place. The secret place of the Most High shall abide. I like that word. That means stay. That means live there. Dwell there. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's a shadow? I mean, under these TV lights, I can see the shadow of my hand right here. Right? And now... You're under the shadow. 
That means you got to be close. Is that right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. If you're under somebody's shadow, you're not following afar off. You are really close. Really close. Hmm? Verse 2, I will say of the Lord. That means we need to say this. Say this out loud, the next part. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Verse 3, he said, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Verse 4, he'll do what? He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust his truth shall be your shield and buckler. We also know the truth will make you free. Here's another great thing. The truth will protect you. Yeah, the truth will make you free. It'll make you free from lies and deception. It'll also make you free from danger. It'll make you free from destruction. The truth will protect you. Well, when you say the truth, you just said God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is truth. His word is truth. He is the word. Manifest. So, can you see a recurring theme? Under the shadow of his wings. Go to the New Testament. Luke. Luke 13. 34. Jesus on one occasion. He was overlooking the town of Jerusalem, and he had been ministering there, and he had been rejected by the religious leaders. The scripture said he came unto his own, and what happened? His own received him not, did not receive him. That may be hard for us to fathom, but there were people who sat and heard Jesus speak and got up and said, I don't believe that. I don't accept that. Man, if that's the case, any other of us preachers ought not be shocked or fall off our chairs. Somebody leaves and says, I don't believe that. But he looked over the town, the city, and he was moved and not in a good way. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together? How? As a hen does gather her brood under her wings and what? You would not. You would not. Does God make us do anything? If he was going to make us do anything, he'd he'd make the whole world receive Jesus and be saved and 
miss hell and all of that. If he's not going to make you do that, he's not going to make you do any lesser thing. So he's not going to force anybody to come to him and get under his wings. Oh, but you're a dumb chick. If you don't. How many dumb chicks we got in here? I'm talking about male and female chicks. If you're a little chicky, there's a great, big, mean world that you have just come into out of the comfort of your little egg. And there are so many big bad things out there that like to eat little chickies. There are wolves and there are lions. Is that right? There are predators. There are dangers. The wind can blow you away. The rain can sweep you away and drown you. The hawk can come get you. The coyote can get you. I mean, there are so many ways you can be gone. Unless you're a smart chickie, then I lose somebody. What do smart chickies do? Come on, help me out. Smart chickies, when the mother hen clucks and starts moving, when she moves, you move. When she goes left, you go left. When she goes right, you go right. And if she, if she clucks and holds her wings out, you run and you get up under them wings. You run now. Right? You stay close. If you're going to be under the shadow of the Almighty, you got to be close. Now, I know this may sound a little humorous, but we live in a mean world. A mean, cruel world, ruled mostly by the devil. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 calls him the God of this world. First John and other places say that the whole world lies under the power of darkness and evil. We, we studied earlier that the curse is over the whole face of the planet. Sin and death has messed up God's creation just waking up in the morning and breathing can be a dangerous thing to do. Much less going out and moving around. There are thousands of ways you can be destroyed every time you move and do anything. We shouldn't be shocked that destruction happens. That's what's happening everywhere. The exception is being kept being protected. That's the difference. And that's where you and I should have a tremendous advantage over unbelievers. We should be kept. We should, it's God's will. But who's it up to how close we stay? Can you see Jesus looking at the city? Oh, Jerusalem. How many times I would have 
gathered you under the wings, under the protection. He went on to say in verse 35, Luke 13, 35, Behold, your house is left to you desolate. What does that mean? You're going to be destroyed. Why? Because it's the will of God? No. What's his will? He's already described his will. How many times I would have gathered you, put my arms around you, put my protective hedge around you, put my power around you where nobody could touch you, where nobody could hurt you, where nobody could get to you. But what? You wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't let me do it. Now see, a whole lot of people don't believe that. They believe God is God, and when he wants something to happen, he's going to do it. No, no. Read the scriptures. Jesus said, you wouldn't let me do it. You wouldn't. You would not. You would not what? You wouldn't come to me. You wouldn't get under me. You wouldn't receive me. You wouldn't let me do this for you. This is the truth. Not what a lot of people preach. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So he's not going to be inside with you unless you open the door and let him in. This is the truth. Your house is left to you desolate. And I say, you won't see me until the time comes where instead of rejecting him, you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Instead of rejecting him, you receive me. Well, I, for one, have decided I am not a dumb chickie. (laughs) How many smart chickies do I have in here? Come on, let me see. Smart chickies. (laughs) Smart chickies. Psalm 63, don't, don't turn there, just Psalm 63, 7 and 8. Here's a smart chickie. The psalmist said, because you've been my help. Therefore, and this is a, what, the fourth, this is the fifth time I guess we've seen this phrase. Because you've been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. You know what else under the shadow of his wings is? Party central. (laughs) It's party time. Why? You can poke your head around and go, nah, 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 nah. You can't get me. You can rejoice. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in dread. You are secure. You're kept. Though a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand at the other, it won't happen to you. Not because you're better than everybody else, but because you're a smart chickie. What do smart chickies do? Keep reading. Keep reading. Here it is. My soul follows hard after you. And your right hand upholds me. Why? The right hand of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. The hand of God. He can wipe away all your enemies' efforts just like that. Just like that. But how, how do you 
allow the right hand of God to uphold you, my soul follows hard. What does that mean? Close. Close. Smart chicky. Follows so close and so tight that if mama hen stops, they're going to run their head into their back. Go, oh, sorry, sorry, mama. Didn't know you was going to stop. Then you got independent chickies. Don't need. Yes. <laughs> Do their own thing. Chickies. Another name for them is lunch. It's true. Don't go off on your own. Do your own thing. Independent chickies. Defiant chickies. Chickies that don't believe in submission. No, that's archaic. We've outgrown that. (laughs) Smart chickies follow hard. Follow close. Can you say amen? Amen. They follow close. 1 Peter 5 and 2 is talking about the shepherds. And now we get into those human shepherds that are part of what God uses to protect. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. Did you remember that the scripture also said, submit yourself to those that have the rule over you so that they, you know, can give an account? Because, see, they, they are partly responsible for your protection. Did you know that? He said, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, you younger do what? See, see the word submit is a despised word. In modern society. It is politically incorrect. And unacceptable. What do you mean? Just the word submit. How often do you use it in a sentence? (laughs) Well. The scripture tells us. All of us are to submit ourselves to God. The Bible said the elder. Excuse me. The younger are to submit themselves to the elder. We're told that we're supposed to submit ourselves to those that have the authority over us. I mean, there are numerous scriptures that talk about this. And people see it as a negative thing, as hindering my freedom, but that's the mentality of an independent chick who is not aware of how quickly and easily they can be devoured and destroyed. And they're not aware of what's involved in their protection. God's not trying to cramp your style and dominate over you For no reason. He's trying to protect you. Trying to help you. Trying to keep you. You got to follow close. My soul follows hard after you. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Do you see why I read all this about the shepherd and about submission? All this goes together. Why? Why talk about this? You got to be on the watch. Why? Because every day of your life, you have an adversary. And he's like a predator. The devil goes about as a roaring lion walking about. What's he looking for? Independent. Chickies. <laughs> He's looking for stragglers. Right? Looking for those that follow afar off. I mean, have you ever watched any of these? Started to say Wild Kingdom, but that's, that's kind of old now. Isn't it? <laughs> National Geographic shows whatever that show, you know, the tribes. Which of the wildebeest or the zebras or the antelope gets picked off? Come on, help me out. The one trailing away from the herd, away from the flock, there's protection in the camp. You know, in, in the book of Acts, it says they went to their own company. Do you have a company? The Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? There are reasons why there's protection. Can you see this? It's a way of staying close to him and staying under the shadow of his wings and staying in protection. He's seeking whom he may devour. That's just as clear as you can say it. He can't just come take you anytime he wants to. He can't just devour anybody, any believer he wants to anytime he wants to. He's got to catch you when you're out from under. Come on, can you see that? When you have gotten away, he's laying for you. He's watching for you to get away from God. Quit going to church. Quit reading your chapter. Unhook from people that God joins you to. Start getting involved in ungodly stuff. Not listen to anybody. You don't submit to anybody. You don't listen to anybody until you get completely away. From where you're supposed to be and you are exposed and you are unprotected, vulnerable. Now this is not just my thinking. We've already given you a number of scriptures on this, but let me give you a couple real quickly. Jonah. Jonah got in trouble. Jonah wound up in a terrible storm. Jonah wound up getting thrown overboard. Why? Because he ran from the presence of the Lord. Running from the presence of the Lord, what else was he running from? His protection. He got out from under the shadow of his wings. He's out of his will. He's running away from God. He's running away from his call. He's in disobedience. That's how he got in so much trouble. Anybody remember Abraham and Lot? Lot, Abraham, I guess, was Lot's uncle. Lot's father died, and Abraham took him in. Well, when they left to go out like the Lord directed him, 
Lot went with Abram. And he began to prosper with his uncle. I guess Abram included him like a son. And when he bought cows, he let Lot buy a couple of cows. And when they got sheep, and the wisdom of God was in Abraham, and more importantly, the blessing of the Lord was on him. And man, his flocks and his herds multiplied. And next thing you know, Lot, who's just a kid following along with uncle, now is a rich man. And they got so many herds and flocks that the land can't sustain them. And Abraham, being the man that he is, their herdsmen begin to have strife and problems. And Abraham went to Lot and said, we can't have this now. We cannot tolerate strife. So you just tell me what you want to do, and I'll go the other way and give you some room. How many understand Lot should not have taken the best of the land and disrespected his elder and separated from Abraham who was a connection to God for him. Come on, can you see this? Now there's more than one reason why he did this, but you see that he separated from Abraham and took took advantage of Abraham, took the best well-watered land, and Abraham had to deal with less. Of course, right after that, the Lord told him, look around, I'm going to give everything to you. And it said right after that, that Lot and his family were pitching their tents toward Sodom. They weren't in it, but they were looking towards it. Next thing you know, they're living there. Can you see this? Next thing you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be wiped off the map. That includes them too. Abraham's having to make intercession with God to try to get his kinfolk spared who should never have been there. Come on, are y'all with me? If they had never left Abraham, they would have never wound up in Sodom. Can you see this? But there was more going on. People tend to go to the church that aligns with their commitment level. What do you mean? If a group of people are more committed to God than you are, that's going to irritate you. That's going to bug you. If people live a more separated, holy life than you do, and you're unwilling to change, you're unwilling to make that greater commitment, that's going to bug you. That's going to irritate you. If you want to do fleshly and ungodly stuff that this group of people doesn't do, then you get tired of trying to sneak around and hide it. (laughs) And you can't talk about it. They won't do it with you. So what's the solution? You feel led suddenly. Yeah, Phyllis said, God told you to. God God told me to leave. And go over here and do this. And what they don't realize is they just told the Lord, lift up your wing. I'm coming out from under here. (laughs) Dumb chicky. (laughs) Lift up your wing. These people are cramping my style. I want to do more drugs. I want to cuss more. 
I don't want anybody bothering me about my lifestyle. I want people that are more inclusive, more broad <laughs> What happened when Lot left Abraham? When Lot left where God had him. When Lot left his connection. See, as long as he was with Abraham, Abraham never went to Sodom. Didn't want to go to Sodom. Come here with me. Didn't feel like anybody was cramping his lifestyle. Because he couldn't live like the folks in Sodom. Because he didn't want to live like the folks in Sodom. The Bible said even about Lot. After he moved there. That their ungodly deeds vexed his soul. Living there. But apparently his wife and his kids got too much into it. Way too much into it. You can't hang out with folks like this. And it not affect you. You cannot. You can't. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The Bible said. No you can't. If they're not coming your way. Don't kid yourself. You're going their way. When Lot. Separated. From Abraham. He he disconnected. From his prosperity. And his protection. And the next thing you know, they're close to Sodom. And the next thing you know, they're in Sodom. And the next thing you know, they're about to all be destroyed with the ungodly. And only by the mercy and grace of God were part of them saved. And eventually none of them were saved. It's awful. It's a sad story. Shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been. Everybody say, dumb chickies. Dumb chickies. (laughs) Tell me what a smart chickie is. Put it back. Psalm 63. 7 and 8. Put it back up. I'm closing with this. Hope you can come back. We're not done. There's a place. It's an amazing place. It's called the refuge of the Most High. It's underneath the shadow of the Almighty. It's under the cover of His wings, of His power. It's a party place. Because you know you're safe. Nobody, the enemy can't get to you. He, the enemy every day is pacing around like a roaring lion. He's looking for who he can get. That's not a pretty picture. That, that's not a nice thought. It is reality. He's looking for who he can get. But if you are under the shadow of the Almighty, he can't get you. He can't touch you. The, the, in First John it says, that wicked one touches him not. Don't you like that? You've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. Keep reading. My soul. Here is smart chicky in a phrase. My soul. Now, now, you're not just going through the motions of it externally. My soul follows hard after you. The Lord sends you to a church. You better stay hooked in there. The Lord puts godly people around you. You better stay hooked with those people. 
right? If they start cramping your style because you're a little bit worldly, then you need to change. You don't need to leave. You need to, you need to quit loving the world. You need to get sanctified, right? Come on back in. Feed your spirit. And don't look for a church that will agree with your ungodly lifestyle. Don't look for new friends that will agree with you, yielding to the flesh. My soul follows hard after you, and your right hand upholds me. Don't you like the idea that the hand, the right hand of God has got you? Somebody say, he's got me. He's, he's got me, and I'm a smart chickie, and I'm staying under the shelter in the shadow of his wings. I'm going nowhere away from him, right? I'm, he's in me. I'm in him. I'm staying where he put me. I'm following close. And I'll be kept. I'll run my whole race. I'll finish my course with joy. And he will have kept me my whole life long. Can you say amen? amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Father. 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 Oh, just stand up. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. If you've gotten away, you can run back quickly. You can get back. Doesn't take long. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I have faith in Jesus as my Lord. And I draw near to Him. And He draws near to me. And I purpose to live close. And stay close. To seek your will. To stay in your will. And to follow your plan. And not depart it. My soul. Follows hard. Close. Very close. After thee. And your right hand. Upholds me. And keeps me. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.